Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What is up, people? It is your boy, Johnny Blaze, back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast, joined as always with... Dan Garcia. And this is our uh, monthly podcast now for the month of November. The last time we did a podcast was uh, early October, I think it was. We were watching the playoffs. Yeah, game, right, right before the playoffs. I think right before the uh, division around started. division, yeah. And uh, so we're back already, sort of a, a busy... Uh, off season so far already for the Angels, or at least you know some things have happened. Obviously, some big things that haven't happened in what twenty something years. <laughs> yeah, something that hasn't happened in twenty years, and a few changes in the coaching staff, and a couple of uh, minor. Uh, uh, I don't want to say transactions, but a few things that happened in the Angels roster. But we'll talk. We'll get into that uh, before we get going. Uh, uh, you know that we are also on Instagram Live right now. So if you guys are watching us on Instagram Live, thank you. Um, but let's get into, you know, the the meat and potatoes of really what happened, you know, right after the offseason. The Angels, um, obviously, Mike Sosha, after the end of the season, last game of the season, announced that he would not be coming back as the manager of the Angels. And a bit surprised, I think, Dan, I don't know if you were, I was a bit surprised on how quickly the Angels made a move. Yeah, I was actually expecting them to go, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, because when this happened, we went live on Instagram and talked to some of the people out there, but... Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of say the same thing I said before was I was expecting because when it came out that they were like, oh, we just finished the first round of um, interviews, you kind of figured, okay, well, maybe they'll wait till the end of the World Series to start um, to, before they make an actual decision. But no, you know, before the World Series was over, they um, seemed to like what they they heard from from Osmus, and he was the guy um, pretty quickly. And I don't even know if they went to a second round of interviews or or not, but um, it kind of it made sense. He was technically an in-house hire being a special assistant for the last year with the angels and being pretty much by Epler's side. So, um, the pick wasn't surprising. I think the time period was surprising for me at least. So, um, so yeah, so I, uh, the time period for me was really quick. Yeah. It seemed like, I don't want to say they rushed into it, but like you said, it was almost, it was almost like, uh, that was a guy they wanted to begin with. And, and there was no reason to kind of wait or hold off if they, that's who they wanted to get. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of news was made about the two hour test that you needed to take to yeah. become the Angels manager, and I think Osmus touched on it on the press conference. Yeah. But a lot of people were kind of talking about how, wow, you know, 
uh, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty insane. Um, but, you know, I think it was a part of the Angels process. I think Billy Epler is that guy who he's a very smart, very intellectual type dude. Right. Yep. And I, I think that fits the Angels. You know, a two hour test kind of was like, OK, I could kind of right. see the Angels going that way with Billy Epler. At the and we actually have a clip from the press conference of why uh, someone, in the pre- someone in the press conference asked um, why the two hour test and the results may ask the result. So uh, here's the clip. We're still grading them. Uh, it'll be four to six weeks, and then they'll get the results in the mail. No, in all, in all seriousness, um, I know I know there was a lot a lot made of that, and I kind of got a kick out of it a little bit. But um, you know what we wanted to really do with every single candidate was to kind of peel back um, their critical thinking ability and how they problem solve. And one of the things that we thought was the most appropriate was to give them time to think through an answer. So if I asked you a question on a particular probability or expectancy of something happening, or even a a question about stolen base probability, so on and so forth, if I ask you that on the spot, it doesn't give you enough time to really think through the answer and be able to articulate your answer. So we just thought it was more fair for the candidates rather than just asking them on the spot um, to give them a, a, a little bit of time kind of think through some of the uh, some of the questions so that was the impetus behind it and uh and we feel good about the process um the qualitative aspects of our interview as well as the quantitative aspects of the interview there you go there you heard it uh kind of just speaking on the whole testing thing and and you know <laughs> how that all went about and, and I, like i'm still said, waiting for the test results right and like i said billy upper seems like the kind of guy that would I mean, he wants to get into it. You know, I think uh, they were leaning more towards the analytics side of things now. It sounded like they wanted to lean into that. I personally, going into, you know, the end of the season, I didn't think that um, Osmus was a guy who was into analytics right. too much. He seems like an old school type guy. Not not quite like a Sosha, but he seems like an old school type guy. And I don't know. I mean, I guess he's changed a little bit. His right. Way, so um this is someone asked him that question at the press conference and this is his stance on on analytics and what he said to the press so i don't know that i don't know that i changed my stance i think my stance evolved like i said when i was a player going back to the old which would have been analytics at that time called inside edge it was information on opposing hitters i used to sit with those those statistics before every series and put together scout reports based on statistics that's a that's a prehistoric form of analytics now the information we have now much more accurate i mean with with you know if you look back in the history of the game they used to time pitchers with a stopwatch trying to figure out how hard they threw and then along came the the radar gun and and now we have TrackMan and statcast that can track anything on the field um so i just think it's evolved i I was never uh anti-analytic at all like i said i've been using numbers long before it was in vogue and there you go. We, I kind of touched on it. It, it seems like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like you said, Osmus doesn't know if he changed the stance, but he's more uh, accepting of. of right. And I think he's, yeah, he says to, he tries to adapt and evolve. And I think that's something that um, players and coaches need to do just because of the fact that um, the way it is, it was five years ago, 10 years ago, it isn't what it is now. So if you aren't willing to change and if you're not willing to um, adapt what you want to do, you're going to get left behind. So, um, you know, maybe he can have that kind of um, two-way 
um, approach to it where he will look at analytics and he'll put people in the right position. But when it, sometimes when it comes down to it, he will be able to be one of those guys that uses his gut and uses what he feels, um, you know, is the right and that's what's right in that situation. Yeah, Brad Awesome is to me. Um, I, I I feel like um, a lot of his answers, like you mentioned in a group text that we have, are very kind of like meh. You know, like yeah, that's the, what's one thing about it. It's yeah. it's you don't you don't really. Because I saw people saying like, oh, that was a great you know press conference and he really nailed the press conference. Well, it's hard. I can go up there and say the right things and right. not know a, a, a word or a thing about managing a baseball team. It's, a lot of it's cliche. A lot of it is by the book. So, um, you know, that's great. He didn't do anything to, to hurt his perception, which I think is the, the your main concern is that you don't want to do anything that hurts your perception as a manager. But um, everything's very cliche, very, you know, by the book. So we'll have to see what happens uh, moving forward. Yeah, like you, like and like you said, you know, um, he's he's he seems well spoken, and that's great. But first impression was good, you know. I mean, that's just him talking. I also, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bury the guy yet because he hasn't managed the game as an angel manager yet. And I got some stats here about Brad Ausmus that I'll quickly go over. Uh, he managed the uh, Detroit Tigers from 2014 to 2017. He had a uh, 486 winning percentage. He finished his career there at 314 and 332. So that's under 500. But you know what? Yeah, it was it was a it was a you you can't count his three or four seasons or whatever it was against him or for him. It's just kind of like the Angels were either going to go with a guy like Osmus who has managed somewhat, or they were going to go with a new guy. Right, and so there was going to be growing pains either way. But Osmus's first season as a manager of the Rangers, he won the AL Central. They finished ninety and seventy two. Mm-hmm. Then the next season wasn't very good. <laughs> they finished seventy four. The Tigers, right? You said Rangers. yeah, the Tigers. I'm sorry. Uh, second season, he was 74 and 87. So they finished last place that year. But then the next year, they finished second, 86 and 75. But then in his fourth season as a Tigers manager, he lost 98 games. Um, but then, you know, I mean, again, you can't really, it's a whole different team. Um, I think the Tigers at the end of his tenure, tenure there were kind of going to that towards that rebuild type of mm-hmm. thing. So it's hard to kind of grasp his managerial skills on. You know, a, almost a sample size worth of, of, you know, three or four seasons here. You know, you, you, you would hope that he would get something done. But when the team is looking to kind of like go away from, you know, kind of rebuilding or they're going to a rebuild, it's kind of hard to count those last two seasons against him. But still, either way, there was going to be growing pains. Either you get a guy like Osmus or you don't. You get a new guy like Chavez and he struggles. Right. So, so. I reached out to one of the guys, uh, I guess a friend of the podcast, Jose Moda, to see what he – just his thoughts of, you know, what the Osmus signing was and how he, um, I guess, fits with the Angels. And so um, he wrote back. He's all – and this is him, quote, I am looking forward to seeing – how this new phase of Angels baseball develop, develops lead, led by another former Major League All-Star catcher. Brad is a good fit due to his familiarity with the roster and, and with the knowledge he's gained with the multiple departments with which a manager has to connect nowadays. His experience with Detroit will only be an asset in how he relates to the game and on-field strategy-wise but also understanding that the game is still played by human beings and connections with his players will be a key role in every aspect moving forward, end quote. So again, kind of like we were saying that he um, is a guy that also will kind of use his gut and use what he feels is is right in that situation, not just what the numbers say. Yeah, so again, 
I wasn't elated by the signing of Brad Ausmus, and I wasn't disappointed. I got to give the guy a chance. Um, you know, and again, like you just mentioned right now, the game is played by the players, and the coach is there for morale, to make decisions to the bullpen, stuff like that. Yeah, but at, ultimately, at the end of the day, the game is played by the guys on the field. And, you know, Billy Epler, obviously, and we'll get into hot stove stuff, he's going to have to build a team that's going to be better than last year's team. And I know there's a lot of things that happened last year that kind of didn't go our way. Obviously, the pitching situation, we'll get into that. Um, guys who are listening to us or watching us on Instagram Live are asking about the pitching already. We'll get into it when we get into <laughs> the hot stove topics. There's a lot of email questions that have to do with that, the, that and what the Angels, you know, what quote-unquote they're looking for um, here in the off season. Uh, other Aside from Brad Osmond, do you have any other Osmond clips? That, that yeah, um, another one, you know, I, I wanted to hear or kind of see what he was going to say, but... Um, Kind of for people that don't know, we kind of said earlier what he's been, you know, by the side of Billy Epler for the past year as a special assistant to the GM. And uh, someone asked him what he has learned, um, you know, in that year. So here's that. It was twofold. It allowed me to step away and kind of assess myself, uh, assess what, you know, how Detroit went, what was good, what wasn't good. Um, it allowed me to be at, at home a little bit. My younger daughter was graduating from high school. I missed my older daughter's graduating from high school and, and her move into college. So I was able to do some stuff with, uh, with my family. Um, but really, most importantly, it, it allowed me, and Billy allowed me to, to dive into what, what is the meat and potatoes of analytics now. Um, and the amount of information, it was remarkable to me because I hadn't seen it. And, uh, you know, I think I'm a pretty quick study on it. Uh, but that's really, that was the crux of, of why when Billy asked me to come over here, I felt like it was going to be a really good fit. There you go. This, I mean, a lot of, um, I guess, your prototypical answers, right? Yeah, and I, and I think, too, that that helps a lot, the fact that you are still involved in the game, but you're also able to step back and kind of see the whole picture now instead of being in that dugout and only really focusing on um, – on the field stuff, you're able to right. take a step back and see and look at everything. Look at all the different, like how that information is getting relayed from you know point A to point B, how it's being um, put out there on the field. Um, there's no, I mean, he's not really coming into a new situation. It's like, oh, got to learn your players. Is oh no, he spent the last year looking at the players, and um, you know, people like Upton have obviously played for him in the right. past, so that's going to be a lot of familiarity, and, and maybe that helps um, the the other players gain his trust because Upton's there kind of vouching for him. And right. Stuff like that. Right. It's good to have one of your top players, you know, on your team, know your style and right. a guy like Upton should, you know, be comfortable. And Upton has some good seasons there in, in Detroit. So, and then uh, just one more, uh, they asked about, of course, the, the, um, I guess the big question going to next season. And that is Otani. I think he's going to hit. <laughs> and I'm hoping he pitches at some point, but obviously the surgery is going to determine and his recovery is going to determine that. I mean, he's a special talent, uh, a tremendous athlete. Uh, he really, he really, I'll, I'll be frank, he really impressed me with the bat this year, probably more than I expected. And uh, he's a voracious worker. So, I mean, he's a, he's a blessing to have on the team. I'm, there's 29 other teams that would like him, so I'm glad he's ours. And there you go, Otani. Um... We'll Always into, a subject. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we'll get into that, obviously, when, when we start talking about 
the hot stove stuff and, and who the angels, you know, who our opinions on who the angels should go for and who is actually a realistic choice out there. Because Otani not being able to pitch plays a role in what the angels are going to do with their lineup. Definitely, yep. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty much everything that we have on Osmus. Um, not much we can more get into. Obviously, we're going to have to wait and see what other roles that Brad Osmus fills on his coaching staff. But he's already made a few moves here. We were talking about this. I think some listeners emailed us before. The Angels, what are they going to do with their pitching coach? Or what are they going to do with their hitting coach? Well, we have an answer now. The Angels and, and you know, Brad Osmus ultimately has a decision on who he wants to put on his coaching staff. And, you know, I'm not surprised by the moves because, you know, as a manager, you're the one that has to pick who you want to be your coach, and and you know that right, and everything that, and that that Angels coaching staff was all Mike Social driven. So, uh, the Angels hired a new pitching coach. They got rid of Charles Nagy, and in came Doug White. Uh, Doug White worked as a pitching um, worked as a pitching coordinator for the Cardinals for five seasons. In 2013, he joined the Astros organization as a pitching coach in the minor leagues, and then in 2014 and 2015. He spent his time as a roving pitching instructor for the Astros. And in 2016, he was promoted to the Astros minor league pitching coordinator. So he has a lot of pitching experience. And then after the 2017 season, he was named the Astros bullpen coach. Um, I saw a video clip with him in it. I think I posted it onto the Halo Haven pages. Seems like a really uh, smart dude, kind of. I don't know. He seems like a, a pitcher-friendly guy. Uh, obviously, was I think he was a pitcher, right? I don't right, know much yeah. about his pers- professional career as an actual pitcher or player. Right. But um, he seems like a legit... Again, I mean, you're, all we're going on right now is like how he sounds in an interview, just kind of like Brad right. Osmus. Like, we don't know really what he can do as a pitching coach. And as a pitching coach, I don't think at the major league level there's much you can do other than help here and there, tweak things here and there. When a guy is on a major league roster... You already know how to pitch. So right. it's all about almost being a motivational type guy. And if you can go out there and calm a guy down, maybe if you know the guy, you know, get to know the pitcher, get to know his tendencies. I think his job is more to see what what he's doing out there and kind of lend a helping hand to, you know, Brad Osmond to say, hey, he's flying open right now. Right. And I think that's the big thing is that he's going to be um, another set of eyes for Osmond. Osmond's being you know, kind of what Jose Moda was saying, an all-star catcher. He, he recognizes when pitchers are um, mechanics kind of get out of whack because, you know, besides the pitcher, the one that sees the most pitches is going to be the catcher. And so with Austin being a, a catcher for many years, um, you know, I think he will have a good sense of how to handle it. But he's definitely, Doug White's definitely going to be um, a young coach on the staff that maybe helps also with the relationship building between player and manager. Um, you know, if there has to be a good cop, bad cop, maybe White comes in as the good cop and Osmus, you know, being the bad cop or whatever. But, um, you know, not much is known. But, again, um, kind of wait and see um, what he can do as far as, you know, uh, what he does with the with the bullpen and, and everything like that and, and starting pitching. And I like the experience, obviously, on being on the Astros coaching staff. So that helps <laughs> being uh, 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 surrounded again, uh, around guys who – you know, a, a Verlander, a Keuchel, uh, you know, uh, you know, even a guy like Morton, stuff like that. So, right. Um, not all Angels weren't done yet. Osmus wasn't done. A new hitting coach for the Angels, a guy who, I mean, relatively, kind of. A, I don't. There's not much on him. 
Uh, what I was able to get is that he was, uh, his name is Jeremy Reed. He was named the Brewers Minor League Hitting Coordinator in 2014. Served as an Angels uh, Minor League Hitting Coordinator from 17 to 18. And that's right. pretty much all I got. Um, don't know much about him. Again, um, just because your major league career as a player or as a hitter wasn't great doesn't mean you can't be a great coach. So, you know, and a lot of times, a yeah, and a lot of times those those coaches or managers that maybe didn't have the best playing career turn out to be really good coaches because um, you hear a lot of why great players don't become coaches is because they expect all their players to be as great as, you know, the coach was, you know, um, if the coach struggles a little bit at a professional level, he, he's more understanding to why someone struggles and realizes not everyone is going to be a all-star caliber player, but able to work at it. And it kind of relates to the player that's, that's struggling at the time because Hey, when I was a player, this is where I struggled right. where, you know, these guys that are all-star this MVP, this, they might not have struggled right. and they don't know how to relay that to, um, other players right and, and a lot of people you know when angels were talking about hit, getting a hitting coach a lot of people you know because you know we're we you know we're involved with halo haven we're you know we 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 see the messages and everything and why didn't they go out and get a a garrett anderson he was such a great hitter well garrett anderson's a great hitter and a great player but it doesn't mean that he's a guy that can relate to him to a, a guy uh, another person i think or if he even wants if to he even wants truth. to but i'm but like here's my here's my kind of like what do you call it my um comparison Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest players in basketball history. I can't see him being a coach. No. Well, because he was so even, perfectionist, such a perfectionist. That's the same thing why people said he wasn't a great teammate. He wasn't understanding. Right. He, he expected everyone to be like, level. like him, and that's yeah. that's impossible. Right. But a, a, a coach or a manager that wasn't at that level can right. relate to people and relate to guys that um, you know maybe needed more right. kind of um, coaching. And, or attention. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and realize that. I don't need to put a ton of pressure on him because sometimes guys just don't aren't up to that. Or they just, they level. can't. Yeah. Or they just don't understand what you're trying to do. You know, Garrett Anderson, from what I heard was a perfectionist too. came to the field every day, worked hard. Um, so that's, you know, that's it's the same thing with Darren Ersad. People are like, Darren Ersad has been a great manager, but I mean, Darren Ersad doesn't want to be a manager at the major league level. He knows the grind. I think uh, Darren is a lot like Kobe Bryant where he's just uh, played through injuries and stuff and, and maybe he would expect that from a major league uh, team, a guy, you know, right. him coaching at a college level. He's going to get that from those kids because they're hungry. Uh, they're young. Um, maybe Erstad's going to, you know, he's going to want something from an older guy that, you know, he's just not going to get. So maybe right. he knows his limits. So getting a guy like Jimmy Reed as their hitting coach doesn't necessarily mean, oh, because we don't know who he is, that he's not going to be good, you know. Um, so let's ease off on these guys for just <laughs> give them a chance to kind of, to see what they're able to and, do, and the good news is, I guess with with the new with the new hitting coach, um, is that he is, or players have given him credit for adjusting um, Cole Calhoun's um, stance and giving him mm-hmm. those tools that obviously from watching the game, yeah. watching the season, completely turned around his season, and um, also working with Arcia and again making him a better hitter. So right. um, as a minor league instructional guy you, you see some of these guys that get sent down that, that struggle with their um hitting or just need a little tweak one-on-one help and he was the guy that did it mm-hmm. um because as a hitting coach you can't really be one-on-one as much as you would want because you got to focus on the whole team but right. as a as a minor league coach uh minor league kind of roving instructor you can give guys that one-on-one right. attention and, and he helped turn calhoun 
um, that was an unbelievable second half. Wow, it's and and Arcia um, produced a lot more power than he had at all. Yeah. In, earlier in his career, so um, if he's bringing those tools to the table. I feel comfortable with that kind of adjustment. So definitely something to watch out for. And hopefully that helps the offense and some of those um, questionable positions get more uh, pop in their bat. Yeah. So as far as a coaching staff, that's all we have for now. Obviously we're going to see if he makes a change at bench coach. If he makes a change at first base, right. third, we'll that, see that, that can still come. And I think they said they're expecting to finalize mm-hmm. their um, coaching staff. Uh, I think by the end of, next week or the week after so right um look around for some around thanksgiving or maybe even after the month for them to finalize their uh team roster also on another some other moves that the angels made the angels released uh these guys from their 40-man roster which means they're not on the 40-man roster they're kind of been outrighted which is what they what they call it um arcia Marte. Paredes, Despaigne, and Maguire are the ones that kind of just stood out to me. Obviously, there's free agents, too, that I think the Angels aren't probably going to go after. Uh, but, you know, I'm surprised a little bit on Arcia because, you know, um, I felt like he was probably the guy who you would keep on the roster and maybe Rosanio's maybe the guy you would outright because I felt like Arcia maybe, like you, like you mentioned, he kind of showed us that he can hit the ball a little bit there. And um is more of a defensive-minded catcher. Not to say that Arcia isn't a def- good defensive catcher either. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like Arcia was higher on the food chain. Yeah. But, you know, this, I don't know. This, I, mean, I guess it's kind of twofold with those moves is that, A, it opens up spots to mm-hmm. where if they want to trade – um, for for a major league player, right, there's a spot space. open. There's a spot open, or yeah. if they want to sign one, there's a spot open. Um, but second fold, and I don't know how many people realize this, but the Rule Five Draft is coming up, I believe, in a month or so. And pretty much everyone's available that's not on your forty man roster. The only contingency is that if you draft a player, they have to be in the major leagues for the full year. Mm-hmm. So pretty much what that means is RC is up for for that. So if I don't know, I'm gonna throw a team out there, and I, I'm not sure, I'm not saying that they're gonna. But let's just say the Twins pick him up in the Roll right. Five Draft. Now he has to be on the Twins all year, 25 man roster all year long. Mm-hmm. And if for whatever reason um, he isn't, then the Angels have a chance to get him back. Right. But um, so you kind of get worried about losing him there. Um, but I don't know if he's necessarily a, a good enough catcher at this point where he merits a full-time right. 25-man roster slot. Right. You know? So um, I think the Angels are okay with that. Um, catcher is is kind of thin, so it, it is kind of that's inter- that's inter- inter- interesting. interesting. That's going to be interesting to yeah. see, yeah. I, to me, it almost seems like they're probably going to go out and get a catcher. Um, not necessarily a star, guys. I think somebody had mentioned on our Instagram Live – uh, I'll give the credit to Dre Day, uh, Dre Day bit. Uh, he said, we have enough uh, chips. I say we go, go all in for Real Muto for our catcher. Still in his prime, not often dual threat catchers in, uh, like him come around. A Real, a Real Muto, you have to trade. Um, he's not a free agent, right? No, he's he? not. Nope, he's not. He's, he's a not. He is um, under contract still with the Marlins. Okay. Um, so you'll have, is... to, you'll have to give something up. Um, right, yeah. I don't know what the... the, the Marlins would want. I'm assuming a guy like a Brandon Marsh, right? A top prospect, maybe not like a Joe Adele or, or uh, you his know, his earliest. Um, if you get him now, his earliest free agency is going to be 2021. So, so you, you would got have... him for a few years. So I mean, if the Angels are willing to trade like a Marsh or a Jemai Jones for a catcher spot, maybe. But me personally, 
I don't feel like the catcher's position is something that the Angels need to kind of trade away. Right. That's that's for. not. And even Epler has come out and said, um, you know, so far this offseason that his number one or his, you know, um, his number one priority as far as getting players, whether it's through trade or signing, is going to be the pitchers, um, whether it's starting or relief. And then after that, catchers. Uh, a catcher so um, can it happen yeah I think again depends on everything depends on what they're asking for um, you know and, and what does Osmus think about what his what the minor league uh, system is and what the minor league players can can give them right. because um, you know you got fresh eyes in there now maybe um, he's really low on a prospect that maybe the previous um, manager was really high on or vice versa so um, that's gonna take a little time to um take a little time to, to get going. But um, one of the things I find interesting and, and I guess would help is that um, that uh, kind of what you said, Jemai Jones is at um, the Arizona, Arizona Fall, Fall League. League and he's actually doing really, really well. So um, he's batting over 300. Um, Good to see. Yeah. One home run, nine RBIs, only 62 at bats. Um, but again, he's kind of showing him his talents out there and, and possibly um, can be up for a trade chip or something like that because um, with Refuco or Fletcher or uh, Coward, second base is kind of okay for uh, right now. You, there's mm. not necessarily a need need for him right now. So yeah. um, he definitely can be a trade chip right. to he a player could, to a team like the or, Marlins or whoever. Yeah, second base right now, I think the Angels – we'll get into it right now. Um, somebody wrote in that uh, RC has gone. He elected for free agency. I don't think that I was don't think that's right. He got he didn't he wasn't a free agent. The Angels outrighted him, which means they moved him off off the forty man roster. I don't know exactly the terms as far as like who can he sign with yet. Or I don't like, think he can. I don't think he can just yet because um, I don't think he's like a full right free agent, guys. Um, I could be wrong. You could be right. Um, but I don't know. As far as I know, he's not on the forty man roster. That's for sure right now. Um, Raul says Dodgers suck. Um, well, if they suck, I don't know how bad we suck because we didn't get to the World Series. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, another guy who I was a little bit surprised that the Angels kind of gave up on already. He didn't have the best season ever, but he's like 23 years old. And that's Eduardo Paredes. I feel like I guess the Angels kind of must have figured, you know, this guy is not exactly what uh, he's fixable or I just I I think Paredes had had the tools to be better, just wasn't in the right situation, you know. Um, but that's another guy the Angels let, let go of. Despagne obviously was a guy who the Angels kind of picked up towards the end of the season to help the starting rotation. Despagne is a guy who, hey, he can go. Um, didn't perform well for the Angels, and the other guy was Deck McGuire, who uh, would come in and pitch, start a game, and t- pitch like an inning or two. So. Uh, nothing big there as far as who the Angels let go off their 40-man roster. Um, just It's kind of just moves to open up space for the Angels to go out and maybe um, get something going. Um, I don't know. Uh, moving on from all that, I mean, that's roster moves and, and, and coaching situation. We're coming up towards the awards season for Major League Baseball, and already there's been some awards given this year. And obviously for the Angels... The winner of the Gold Glove at shortstop for the second consecutive season, Andrelton Simba Simmons. I, I, I mean, obviously, 
the guy, what he does on the field is ridiculous. He makes everything look so smooth and so effortless that it's it's just an amazing thing to see. And I always tell my son, who who's 13, who's playing on top of look at the way Anderton Simmons attacks the ball. Look at the way how smooth he is. Don't overthink things. He just does things, and it's just boom. He just gets it done. And well-deserving, right? Anderton right. Simmons. Oh, yeah. I mean – Anyone that's watching a handful of baseball games uh, for the Angels the last, you know, three, four years have, has seen, um, you know, Simmons play. And, and any kind of pop-up anywhere near that third, second base, he, he, he runs down and gets easy. Um, not only gold, not only the back-to-back Golden Gloves, like you said, but uh, Wilson, Defensive Player of the Year yeah. for, the, for shortstop. Um, he's won that five out of the last six years. And FieldingBible.com award for best shortstop also. So, um, you know... Golden Gloves is one people really remember, but it's good to see that other uh, publications and other you know um, companies are recognizing it as well and, yeah. and are also uh, rewarding him for, for what he does in the outfield. Yeah, uh, Simmons is, is incredible. Now, uh, people are talking about, and somebody just wrote in right now, I agree with, with you, uh, LTJM on, on, on Simba. Um, Dre Day bit on... Uh, Instagram Live said Trout got robbed of a Gold Glove this year. I think I think what happened with Trout is that he missed too many games, that and it, and yeah. that's going to be his downfall, not only for the Gold Glove but for the MVP. Um, definitely the numbers speak for themselves. I know he didn't commit an error all season, but you can't discount what Jackie Bradley Jr. did either. Right, it's, it, it, it's not. I mean, I don't have a problem with the whole no. Golden Glove thing just because of the fact, like you said, um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is also a great center fielder it'd be different if they gave it to some guy you're like well, well why is he getting yeah, it but, yeah, yeah. Um, but deserving you know deserving guy. the stats are really really close between jackie bradley and trout um now if the tiebreaker is team because again these are already voted before the season even right ends, so right. I mean, before the playoff starts right. so um obviously the team success whether they say it does or doesn't um i, it, I believe it affects the voters it, well uh, it, Subconsciously, I don't. I'm not going to say. I'm not yeah. saying they're out there saying, no, no, "Oh, yeah, yeah we're going to go with the guy that has right. the best team." But subconsciously, I think they think, obviously, he's doing something great for the team because look at the record. Well, here, well, here, here's here's how they vote on the Gold Glove. It's voted by players and managers. Okay, uh, so what I pointed out to somebody on Halo Haven was, um, if they it's voted on by players and managers, Mike Trout plays the position and doesn't make errors. He plays it great. I get it. And Mike Trout, once in a while, will make a great play that astonishes you, right? It's like, whoa, he did it. But but Jackie Bradley Jr., it seems like he made a great play with extra flair against a lot of teams. Right. And that gives you, you know, when players and coaches, or I mean players and coaches, coaches and managers are voting on this, they see that, and they're obviously going to say, wow, Jackie Bradley Jr. So I'm going to, it's he was deserving of it. I'm not going to say Trout got robbed. Um, he was definitely a candidate. Had, had Trout have won, I would have been like, okay, yeah, he deserves it. Uh, but again, you guys, J- Jackie Bradley Jr. made a lot of great plays against a lot of teams, and he, had, he just added that extra flair to it. And then Mike Trout, let's be honest, his speed and his athleticism is what uh, makes up for some of the things that he's not very good at defensively. He doesn't have a great arm. It's no. average at right. best. And he will admit, he's gone on record saying the one thing that he needs to improve on every year is defense. And I think he's an above average center he fielder. Took a st- he took a step forward. I yeah, think he's oh, better. Than, definitely. He, um, I don't. But, I don't think he's that Golden Glove Cabra yet because, like you said, his arm. Um, and he missed a lot of games and a lot missed, of and the yeah. crucial situations where teams didn't see him in the last for a good twenty. I think it was twenty two games from August second to the twenty fourth. 
that's a good stretch of, of high-quality baseball that he missed. And that went against him, I think. Yeah, so um, now kind of like what you were saying with the MVP uh, conversation. So the finalists for the awards, the major awards came out. So um, obviously Trout is one of the finalists for MVP along Mookie Betts and Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Um, regardless of what if Trout wins or not, because personally don't think I don't think he will. I don't but think regardless he will. if he does or not, to be in the top three, six out of the last seven years, um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you can see how hard it is to just maintain that for maybe like three or four years. Right. Um, I mean, last year's MVP, um, 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 Altuve is not even in the top three. Right. And then you have Trout the year before that. So everyone that's else has won the MVP in this little run of Trout, I don't think they were even in the top three the next year, going back to even when yeah, – yeah. Um, uh, 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 Miguel Cabrera won it that year where a lot of people thought Trout won it, but they gave it no, to Cabrera because, no. because of the Triple Crown. There's and, no and, and way then, Trout was going to win that one. Well, I know there's no way, but yeah. they, they, but they when when they took out of the offensive st- – but, yeah, whatever. We can get into that. that was, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. a five-year-old conversation. Yeah. But um, even being in that top three six out of seven years is, is I think, kind of an award in itself because I don't know anyone that's ever done that before. And then the other big award that have an angel involved is um, obviously – um, AL Rookie of the Year with uh, Otani, Glaber Torres, and Miguel Andujar, both of the Yankees. So um, those are coming out next week. Again, we're recording this on November 8th, so next week is when they'll come out with the the winners. And so those are the two Angel representative in the you know the big three awards or four awards: the Cy Young, Manager, Rookie, and MVP. Right. And yeah, I, I'm sure we'll have enough to say about that if. We'll probably jump on live if if something big's happening yeah, on Instagram I, live. Yeah. So, but um, I like I like Otani's chances better to win the Rookie of the Year than Trout's chances. Yeah, oh yeah. To win MVP, yeah, I'm 100 percent because you know even the short stint that he pitched, he did should very still well. mean something. Yeah, yeah, he did very well, and uh, what the, he was able yeah. to do uh, with the bat. Um, for a rookie, it was incredible. Yeah, that last you know oh, gee, month he, and a half, two months, insane. Um, Trout, like I said, missed too many games in 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 mid to late August, and um, I, I know that his team didn't make the playoffs. Guys, like you, you can't blame him for that. Mm-hmm. It sucks, but that's just the way it is, and it's an honest way. He wins it uh, because he put up great numbers in 140 games. I mean, 39 home runs. Uh, batted 312 and had 79 RBIs. I mean, and just what he was able to do all around. So we'll see. But yeah, I like Otani's chances of winning rookie of the year better than Mike Trout's chances of winning MVP. So we skipped a little segment, but we'll get back to it on the other side of this commercial break. We're going to take a quick, what, minute and a half break. Yeah. And we'll come back with our poll question. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the final results of our poll question and we'll get into the listener emails and we'll talk more about the hot stove situation, who the angels, you know, are likely to get in, who's realistic. So we'll be back, uh, in about a minute and a half. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. 
And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors, who are the ones that you know pay for um, this equipment that you see on Instagram Live and that you are listening to us on through iTunes and Google Play and Spreaker.com. But uh, without them, you know, uh, we'd have to be doing this out of our pocket and. You know, Dan just got married, so he's spent a lot of money, and I'm about to get married, and yeah, I'm already so, spending. So I'm money. broke, and he's gonna be broke. Oh, I'm, I'm getting broke. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you to our sponsors, and also just uh, www.groomgoon.com, www.epicradiotv.com, and then check out the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. It's the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. So. Uh, we skipped the segment. We, should, we were going to do it when we were talking about the we're managers. All, we're all out of practice. We don't know what yeah. the hell we're doing. We haven't done it since it's a month. Been a we, month. We're trying to figure out how the hell we're doing this now. Um, but uh, our our poll question, we, we skipped it because it had to do with the manager's uh, situation. So, Dan, you want to take over on this one? Yeah. So, every week we have, when we have a podcast, I almost forgot this week because yeah. I haven't done it in a while. But um, every week we have a podcast, I will put up a poll question on Twitter, um, kind of whatever's going on at the time, what's relevant. Um, and so obviously with this um, big manager move that has, you know, the Angels haven't had in, you know, since before Twitter, um, you know, I just put it out the inter- there. The Internet's infancy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the uh, tra- uh, social is 10 years yeah. older than the Internet. But anyways, right. <laughs> um, simple question was your reaction, your initial reaction, because I think initial reactions were kind of different than what people think about Osmus now. I think when you see the, you know, the, the um, alert on your phone or you, you turn on the TV and you see Brad Osmus, the next manager of the uh, Angels, I think the initial reaction wasn't very positive now. I think people have softened on it. But I asked what the initial reaction was of hiring um, Brad Osmus as the new Angel manager. Um, you had th- uh, four choices, like it, love it, eh, and hated it. Um, and I guess no surprise, eh, got 40%. Um, that won the poll, 38% liked it, 12% hated it, and 10% loved it. So um, I voted eh because, again, um, you kind of not saw the writing on the wall, but you figured it would be an easy move for him because what he the time he spent with the uh, GM and uh, the franchise the, the previous year. Yeah, I voted eh. Uh, again, if you guys listened to our podcast before, I was talking to you guys about we were talking about the manager position or manager situation. And I said, you know, I'm, there was no one that was going to stand out to me. There was no Madden available, no Francona, no, no, nobody like that. So it was going to be either like a Chavez, an Osmus, a, you know, maybe a Renicky, somebody like that. And, and everyone, everyone uh, had, everyone had their blemishes. Everyone right. they interviewed, everyone had a blemish right. one way or the other. They weren't going to, there was no perfect candidates no. that either are coming up or, you know, maybe. Nothing. Got released because they had a confrontation right. with. But everyone, everyone had blemishes, so I think 
Um, I guess you go with what you know than what you don't. And I think that's right. what Osmus Osmus was. And every and all all the available candidates to me were S. Like I didn't. No one stood out to me. You know, maybe a a no for me probably would have been a Girardi. I probably would have hated that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, everyone else was an M because you know I looked at Osmus and I went, well, you know, I mean. He only managed like three or four seasons. He did. He had two good seasons and two bad seasons. So he was like, kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe with the right team, you know, he might be able to do something. In this situation with the Angels, he was able to work as a special assistant to the GM, look at look at the the, the background of the team before he actually took the job. Something he didn't do as a as a Tiger. Right. So, um, yeah, man, I, it was just an eh to me. I really, it really wasn't too big of a no, deal. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, L, uh, LTJM says Nagy's gone. Does uh, other bullpen staff stay? I it's all up to Osmus. All up to Osmus. Yeah, like I, like we said earlier, the final kind of final coaching staff should be finalized. They said hopefully by the end of this month. Um, so I'm guessing obviously um, bullpen staff. I'm guessing isn't necessarily the the biggest um, rush to get done. I'm thinking you're waiting for all the managerial positions to be filled, and then now kind of a, a trickle down now those new managers are going to look for bench coaches. Mm-hmm. And now what's Osmond's going to do with his bench coach? Um, does he stay with uh, um, the previous? Do they, does he look somewhere else? You know, does he have a good relationship with everyone else that's previously on the staff? Um, but again, it's, it, it's, it's going to be at least until the end of the month until all that stuff is finalized. Yeah. I'm sure a little stuff will start trickling out here and there. So, and I, and I think like you said, the bullpen is the last of the, of the, right. The I don't think that's time. necessarily top on the list when it comes to pitching or, right. um, coaching changes and, and, and stuff like that and i think honestly i think it's going to be a new staff because you know the angels just hired the pitching coach who was a bullpen coach in, in houston right so, so he might have his people that he yeah. wants to bring in with that too so yeah. um there's a lot of there's a lot of faces that are are, are going to be i think in and out as far as interviewing mm-hmm. for stuff um you know whether they keep it or or, or change it yeah. i think it's kind of 50 50 right now and it boils down to does mike social get hired someone else and does he bring his guys right back? exactly but so it's a lot of a lot of coaching managerial spots i think mm-hmm. are already being filled i mean you have um texas has got a new manager uh, toronto i believe has a new manager mm-hmm. uh a lot of these places are, are being filled right. so and you and you know you have baltimore that needs a new manager and right that's so. the only one that's left but well, they went from old school buck show walter i don't see him getting another old school Socha. Socha, so yeah. all right so that wraps it up for our poll question for the month not the, month. the week for the month we'll have another one for the month of december Dan will probably he'll suggest something soon and then you guys will see it up on our on our, t- our twitter which is at halo underscore haven so let's get into it. Everyone's been asking on Instagram Live. Um, everyone's, you know, we got a lot, we got a pretty decent amount of uh, email questions sent our way. So we're gonna tie in our email questions with the hot stove stuff, with like who the angels are gonna get, or what are they gonna do, what do you guys think of this? Because a lot of the questions obviously have to do with what the angels are gonna do, or right. what do we think the angels are gonna do. So again, this is all opinion based podcast. Me and Daniel, we don't know anything. Unless we go and ask a Jose Moda or, or a Gooby and they, they kind of give us their Taylor feedback Blake or Ward. Taylor Blake Ward He's or somebody awesome. like that or t- uh, Trent Rush. We reach out to these guys and they're I, we they're good friends of our show because they've been on our show and they, they're quick to answer us. I like to say us. they're just good friends with us, but I, I don't know, know if that's true or not, but yeah. I have to say it. But they're awesome because they respond to us quickly. Uh, we ask them a question and they, they get back to us really fast. And, you know, it's it's kind of flattering that they know who we are and that's, that, that's always awesome. So. 
Um, our first question comes from a loyal listener, Rob Lassings. He says, hey there, guys. Love listening to the interviews again. He's talking to the podcast that we that uh, Dan uploaded uh, right after our last uh, like a best of yeah, yeah best of go back in iTunes everything that we've done in the past yeah. past year I believe is all up there so best yeah. of where we had interviews like you said with um, Taylor Blake Ward we had Gooby on there we had Todd Radom talk about uniform and logos with the Angels yeah. Jose Moda um, uh, and Trent Rush was Trent on there Rush, Joe Adele Adele um, Jamai Jones so yeah Rob Quinlan so go up there and, and download it and everything yeah. yeah. Um, so he says, um, love listening to the interviews again. It's cool to see what came after. Love the Todd Radom interview. You were talking about Todd Radom. Uh, when you guys interviewed Taylor Blake Ward, you guys talked about the Kinsler and Maldonado traits. How do you guys feel about the guys we got in return? I know Buttry has a future, but what about the kid we got from Houston? Can we see him being ready in the next two or three seasons? Uh, I think Buttry proved himself last year to be a decent guy at the back end of that bullpen. Young, live arm, throws hard. Um, seems like he wants to be out there. Isn't isn't frightened? He had a situation last year. I don't know if you remember. He came in with the bases loaded and no outs. Right, and he got out of it. You know, right. I, I think so. For him being that Middleton is likely going to still be out until July. Yeah. Um, I think if they if the Angels don't go out and get a defined closer, I think he can be a guy in that. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll give. Um, Blake Parker, Blake another shot. Uh, maybe they'll. I don't know if they'll give. I think Cam is probably come and gone with mm-hmm. that. With that role, maybe um, an Anderson. Maybe an Anderson. Um, I think he's in that mix for a closer spot if they don't go out and get one. Um, but if they do go out and get one, or they feel more comfortable with another guy, I think I feel really comfortable with him being a seventh or eighth inning dude. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think long term, I think that's probably where he'll fit best. Um, once Middleton comes back, because he he showed that he was able to, to close out games uh, yeah. until until yeah. his injury. Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely on the on the opening day roster, barring oh, for sure. barring any for injury sure. and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah I think um, he's definitely a seventh eighth inning guy um, for the Angels. Um, recent now, you know, yeah, not, not not all in a year. I think I think now. And there's nothing wrong with the seventh, eighth inning guy because, you know, if you look back in Angel's history, you look at a Brendan Donnelly was seventh inning guy. And Donnelly would be a guy who, when our closer closed four games in a row, well, let's just go to Donnelly to close this game because our, our closer is not available. And, and that's, I think, what Buttry can be, you and, know? And, real, and realistically, um, the way that the pitchers are now or, or pitching staffs are handled, you need three or four quality, high quality um pitchers in that back end of the bullpen because a lot of times now these instead of um you know back in the early 2000s you know even maybe like five or six years ago um pitchers were told ace you know uh, go long you know uh, pace yourself um now they're asked give me five good innings throw as hard as you can everything everything you got for five innings five innings and then we'll we'll work out the rest so that's part of the mind mind change that's a little bit different with baseball now so you need um, a lot of, you know, like I said, three or four high quality back end of the bullpen guys. And I think he can fit into that um, with some other guys that are obviously um, uh, free agency. But again, I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, there's 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 some names out there and some names that are, I would kind of hold off on uh, to answer the second part of your question, Rob. The kid who we got from uh, Houston in the Maldonado trade is Patrick Sandoval. Sandoval. He pitched about two games in Inland Empire, got moved up to Burlington. Shortly after, uh, looks he looks to be good. I think he was like eleven and one this season in his his 
total. total yeah, so very low ERA, but it was in the lower levels of of, of the minor league system until he got called up to Double A late in the season. But he's got a lot of promise. A lot of from what I hear, a lot of guys like uh, what they see in him. Um, we were unfortunately not able to see him, or maybe you did. Didn't I you? saw him pitch his first. I time, wasn't yeah. able to see him pitch personally, but you know, from what I hear, the kids got uh, the talent. And we basically we got him for a guy who was in a walkaway. Right. And season, don't so. underestimate the fact that again, the new pitching coach for the Houston uh, Astro or for the Angels was also their minor league pitching instructor that yeah. worked with him. So he has a really good familiarity with him right. already. Um, again, local guy from Mission Viejo, so he's he's all psyched up to be back in California. Um, I realistically would think maybe another year and a half would probably be the realistic timetable. Yeah, he's young for he's him. He's, he's still 22. yeah, he's still young. Um, there's still other prospects ahead of him that you have to see what's going to go on with that. Yeah, but as far as um, maybe you know ETA to the show, I would say probably a year and a half to oh, two years. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next email question comes from Duncan Healy, who emails us all the way from Dead Horse, Alaska. He said, "What's up, fellas? Man, do I miss listening to the weekly shows?" Already a busy offseason for the Halos. New manager, new pitching coach, new hitting coach. Looks like Osmus is bringing in his guys, and I'm just fine. And that's just fine with me. As far as offseason moves to the roster, obviously the Angels have a few holes to fill. Not pitching, because I'm sure you will get a lot of questions regarding that, so I won't bother. So he doesn't want to talk about the pitching. Right, everyone said that's funny. You think the Angels go after a second baseman, or do they roll the dice with a Fletcher or maybe a Renfigo? Personally, I'm with Johnny when he mentioned that Fletcher shouldn't be the starting second baseman. And like both of you mentioned, he's a utility guy at best. What do you guys think about maybe Jemai Jones? Anyway, can't wait to hear you guys again. So, Hostile question. I, I have mentioned this a lot. If David, or is it David Fletcher? What's his name? Yeah, David Fletcher. Is it David yeah. Fletcher? You're probably getting confused with Jeff Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, I think Fletcher... Uh, if he's your starting second baseman, guys, I don't think you're a playoff contending team. I'm sorry. I see him as a utility. I hope he proves me wrong and he becomes a David Eckstein and he becomes a starting second baseman for the World Series champion Angels. But I just don't see that happening. I don't think that he's a guy that you want to be your starting second baseman. But he can fill in as a great utility guy, a Cliff Pennington type dude who can play third, who can play second. You can put him at short when you need to. He will be on the roster. I just don't see him being the starting second baseman. At least I don't want that to happen. I just don't feel like he's a guy you quote-unquote need on the playoff contending team as your starting second baseman. I don't know. What yeah, do I, I kind of like what you said, but I feel I don't think they'll go out of, out of the organization to pick up a second or third baseman. And Epler has said much that he feels that what they have in-house can solve that issue, whether it is a Rafiko, whether it is a Jones, whether it is a Fletcher, whether it is a Cozart. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of choices there, and I just I think it's inside the organization is what they're going to go after. Um, I don't see it. I mean, if he takes the next step up um, offensively, then, yeah, he can be because defensively he's there already. I think he's definitely a starting uh, second baseman defensively. And, you know, you're looking for these guys to take steps now. You're looking mm-hmm. for these guys to um, to to evolve and, and get better as the years go on. So if he does take a big step, you know, between now and, and, and spring training, then, yeah, he can definitely be in the mix for it. And he shows off in spring training great. But I think realistically you probably put Cozart there at second. Um, and I think you probably play Ward at third. At least give him an opportunity 
to show his stuff Ooh. there. And again, maybe he does take that next step because you're looking for someone to take the next yeah, step. Whether I, mean, I think it's gonna be, and then if not, then maybe yeah, now you bring in a Rufuko uh, or, or one of those other guys. Right. But um, I, I I have a feeling. In the back of my head, I don't know if Jemai Jones will be with the Angels starting spring training just because of the movements they want to make. The, yeah, I mean. Um, I, 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 can he play second base for the Angels? Probably. Um, will he be playing for the Angels? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying that right now. It would be great if he did. Um, well, we've seen him every day at Inland Empire. You know, we, we, we built a relationship with the guy. We got to know him not just – not just on the field, but personally, he's a great guy. He really is. And you can tell that he works hard. Right. And he's young. He's young. But a lot of teams are looking for that. And if the Angels can flip that. And that's that, going to be the reason why I think he'd yeah. be one of the guys that's good. Right. Because he's young and, and getting better. Getting better. If the Angels can flip that for a starting pitcher who you have under or team control. Or JT Ramuto yeah, and, and a package for, deal. For, for a guy that you can keep on your team for two or three. Who's somebody who's under contract for two or three years, I think a Jemai Jones trade is definitely exactly, yeah. possible. And it would be a good trade because not to take anything away from Again, I, I would like to say that we're friends with Jemai. He knows us on a personal level. So I I don't want to say that Jemai, um, I want to see him go. But that's a guy who, when you look at the Angels' top prospects, is a guy who I think the Angels would be willing to let go. Because I don't see, I wouldn't want them to just say, "Hey, yeah, take Joe Adele, take Griffin Canny." Yeah, I think Joe. I think know? when it comes to trades with minor league players, I think Joe Adele and Griffin Canning. Um, I even think Suarez might be off the book. Yeah, I think maybe those three guys are maybe yeah. untouchables. I think everyone else is, is. There's a good chance that they could be. I'm not saying they're going to be gone, but they will. They can they'll, listen. they'll listen. They'll, they'll be, listen. They'll be in conversations with. But, yeah, I think, like you said, especially um, Griffin Canning, I think he's a no-go. Adele's yeah, a no-go yeah. because of the fact that if Trout does leave, it looks like he'll be an easy fill-in at that position. So you, they won't have um, be searching for a, a new center fielder. Right. Okay, our next question comes from Mike Vigil. And he says, hey, guys, glad to, glad to be hearing a new podcast soon. So I'm hearing that it's almost official. Bryce Harper to the Phillies. Do you think that opens up Trout staying in Anaheim with the Phillies committing to Harper? That wouldn't leave much room to go after Trout. Just a thought. What do you guys think about the Angels picking up a Joaquin Soria or Sergio Romo to shore up the back end of the bullpen? To answer your first question, I don't think it's a, quite official. I think it's just a really hot rumor right now. Right, right? yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that if, if, if Harper signs with the Phillies, I, don't, I think that kind of takes the Phillies out of the Mike Trout sweepstakes and mm. Just because that's a lot of money. They have a lot. Of, like, there's no one on that Phillies team that's, that, true. that's right. making big money. No one. All their best players, um, like a Reese Hoskins, they're all on minor league – not, not minor league deals, but they're all within their first six-year deals, right. arbitration years and all that stuff. Um, they have no one. I mean, wow, how- will, will they get, you know, um, the top guy at Harper and then go get Trout? They 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 could they could but it doesn't leave a whole lot of money for anything right. else and then if you know baseball you need more than these two right. dudes to and make if, a serious and run. if we all know Toronto it seems like he wants to win so why would he leave somewhere that's somewhere that's well they're a lot better than where he's going right you know maybe, does he want to go home and play maybe I don't know um as far as um dude a Soria and a Romo I think would be a great pickup for the Angels because I don't think they cost much. I don't yeah. think they get them. I think I don't think those two guys 
are going to be asking for multi-year contracts because we all know they're towards the back end of their career. Right. Both did really well this season for both teams. Um, Sergio with the Rays and Joaquin Soria with the uh, Brewers. Um, I would love to see either of these two guys with the Angels as a late-inning guy, possibly a, situ- you know, a situation where they could earn a closer spot. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I, I I would only honestly feel comfortable with these guys because they're all in their mid to upper 30s now at this point. Right. I would only um, one feel com- one and one. Yeah. Uh, one one year and then yeah. a, a year option, like a yeah, team absolutely. option. That That's the only way I would feel comfortable sure. doing it. Me too. Um, I think a lot of these free agent pit, uh, relief pitcher nowadays, are you're going to have to do those one to two year deals because um, you have, like, like I said, Romo's 36, uh, Soria's 35, and I believe he'll be 36 by the time mm-hmm. – um, Spring training comes around, so right. Um, I, I just, but definitely guys you can get on the cheap. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a guy that you're gonna have to get one year deal. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't be the highest bidder kind of deal. Like you have to um, be able to, to get at a good deal. I mean, there's no such thing as a as a bad signing. Only if it's not, you know what I mean. Like you can sign whoever you want. It's just depending on how much money and the time and all the stuff you're willing to give them. Um, if it's one year, um, you know. Six million dollars, seven million dollars, which I don't think will happen, but you know, I, I, I it, 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 it can happen, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing it for that. Yeah, for anything uh, more than that, I should say. No, no, definitely not like a like a three year, two year deal or anything like that. I think you just go for you know one year deal and you know, go from there. Uh, next question comes from Mar Washington. He says, "What's good, fellas? Ben Jonesing for an All Angels podcast, so let's get to it." Do the Angels go out and get a Corbin or a Keiko, or do they look for a couple of guys a notch below? What do y'all believe that's the number one priority for this offseason? I think Corbin is pretty much, uh, from everything I've seen and heard, him being a native to that area and him coming out saying he wants to pitch for the New York Yankees, I think he's going there. Mm. I think it'll be really easy for him to sign there. Um, Richard Justice, a writer for MLB.com, has came out and he, for each team, he picked a free agent that would best fit um, that team, and he picked Dallas Keuchel for the Angels. Um, with the need of him being of uh, the Angels needing pitching, him being a you know a good sinker ball pitcher, um, you're going to have pitcher's a ballpark. pitcher's ballpark. You're going to have a good defense behind you, infield wise, um, to turn double plays to you know uh, yeah, cover the, the ground. Middle, the Angels, right? Are exactly. Yeah. So uh, kind of that kind of fits. I think. I would like to see something like that. Yeah, I would like to great. see a Keiko signing and a trade for, and I said it, and I'm going to keep on saying it. Sonny Gray? Sonny Gray. Yeah. That's one of the guys yeah. that I would really hope they target in the offseason. I think, again, I'm saying this because not only because I think he can turn around what he did in New York, but also because I believe he's going to be really cheap, and that's part of the reason why I, I think the Angels should really go after him because I don't think he's going to cost a lot of in prospects. I think you could probably get him for maybe a um, 11 to 20 kind of prospect, maybe two, you know, a, a – a, 13th prospect in a 21st like something like that yeah. you know yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think he's going to cost a whole lot when uh, it comes down no, to it so I'm hoping so I'm hoping a Keiko signing and maybe a Sunny Gray Ooh, um, that trade would be, that would be great that would sure up the rotation so good and like I mentioned the signing of two key guys to a rotation makes a Pena uh, and a JC Ramirez go into the bullpen and that just can only help the bullpen that'll that'll set us up like the Brewers man really seriously so to answer your question, that answered your question, Lamar. The number one priority has to be pitching this season. So I'm with you with the Keiko. And remember, look who's the new Angels pitching coach. Or, uh, a guy from Houston. A guy who was with Houston for the last couple of years. So 
a lot of a lot of close connections there. We'll right. see. We'll see. Um, and here's our last question. It comes from another loyal listener, Lauren Cod. She <laughs> says, "I know pitching is probably what we need and what everyone will be asking about, but yeah, who is realistic, Keiko, or do we or do they go after bullpen help?" And I heard Wilson Ramos at the catcher's spot. Um, I mean, realistically, I mean, the Angels can can get a Keiko. Um, it just depends. Yeah, I mean, Keiko and, and the bullpen, again, we talked about it a little bit here. Maybe they do go after a Romo or a Soria on a one-year deal um, on a cheap, you know, that's not going to cost us long-term and help us in the short short run. Um, so, realistically, I think I think Keiko's realistic. I mean, right. I mean, and you're looking you know, at agent. <clears throat> Keiko's 31. Um, I mean, all the other pitchers out there, um, Patrick Corbin being 29 is probably the younger on the younger side. The only other ones I can really see the Angels or anyone really wanting to go out and offering kind of bigish money would be um, Nathan Evaldi just because of the fact of what he did. Showcase, and, uh, yeah, the World he showcased himself in the World Series. Um, dude's bringing heat. He looks like he's fully recovered from that Tommy John surgery he had a couple years ago. Um, you know he's willing to grit it and, and pitch whenever you need him to when it comes down to those kind of situations. But other than that, I mean, you're seeing like a Gio Gonzalez 33. Um, I wouldn't mind that either. You know, uh, again, same, it kind of comes down to the same thing I'm going to say. Two-year deal. Yeah, it's going to come down to what he, they're asking for and what you're willing to yeah. spend. Um, there's a lot of free agents out there, whether it's A.J. Happ, again, another one, two-year deal. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot, Lance Lynn. Um, there's no one really out there, maybe besides a Corbin, a Keuchel type, um, that I would feel comfortable if I was like a GM extending a four-plus-year contract yeah. to. Everyone else on that free agent list is kind of like, oh, okay, maybe okay, I'll give yeah, you two was- years, maybe like a third-year option just to see what's going on. Right. Um, but, yeah, a lot of these pitchers now coming out of free agency are going to be in the 33, 35, 30, you know, Portola Cologne, 46. Um, maybe he can make a return – uh, farewell, big sexy's back where he fair, won fair, yeah, a farewell tour as an angel. Who knows? Um, as far as Wilson Ramos, I mean, we talked about a little bit the catcher spot. I I don't know if the Angels go out and get somebody. I don't think they're going to sign a catcher. I think if they get a catcher, it's going to be through trade. Yeah, it's going to be a Muto or someone like that. Somebody. I don't think they'll sign. I don't think they'll sign one. Yeah, I don't know. Wilson Ramos to me, I think you know he he takes a lot of spots at the. Uh, the DH spot, right? And the DH spot is it's already be, congested as hell. Yeah, because you know you're gonna. It, Pujols is going to have to play 120 plus games at first base if you're going to have Otani, and you need to have Otani in your lineup right. every day. So it's it's a situation where you can't pick up a catcher who's going to take DH spots because dude, you're not going to you're not going to get any playing time at DH. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think too, like I kind of like what I said. I think if they get a new catcher, it's going to be through trade. Like a JT Murumuto makes a lot of sense because he's young. Um, he's fairly cheap because he's still on his first six year yeah, service contract. Contract if you get him. Um, too. All the other catchers are older. You're probably going to spend more money because of that. So yeah. you, you try to, you know. I mean, unless they get very, somebody on a minor league deal like they did Rene Gonzalez or Rene Rivera last year where they got him, like, on a cheap deal. Right. That, that's the only way. But, but yeah, even then, too, Rene was only coming in as a backup. Yeah. And, and so I think so, if you're going to make – if I think what people are asking for as far as starters. Yeah. Who, who, who's going to be a starter? Yeah, and I don't yeah. see a starter really out there to um, – be the guy no. so if you're gonna get a guy at catcher i think it's gonna be through trade yeah so that's wraps it up for our email questions we thank you guys for sending them in if you guys have any more you guys listening to us on instagram live 
The podcast email is allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Comments, questions, concerns for the show, let us know. Hit us up on there. You got anything else for the show? No, that's it. it um, again, we're in our off-season mode, so we are monthly. So look for us, the next one being in the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if anything big happens between now and then, um, whether it's a player signing or, or, or a big trade or something like that that affects the Angels, we will pop on inst- our Instagram account. Um, you know, So, again, um, follow us on there. It's Halo underscore Haven on Instagram and then also Halo underscore Haven on uh, Twitter. So you guys will be informed on what, you know, when the next uh, podcast will be, or if we're, you know, doing something. Um, But yeah, definitely give us a follow on there. And then if anything happens, look out, look out for an announcement and we'll be like, Hey, we're jumping on live at, you know, seven o'clock discuss whatever happens. So definitely uh, keep a lookout for that. Um, Get a, Follow us on there. Um, our Facebook page, Halo Halo Haven fan page, discuss you know uh, stuff about the Angels and what's going on in baseball and everything like that. It's a cool place to kind of just chat about what you uh, Angels baseball with other people that had the same interest. Absolutely. So you people aren't going to hear our voices for another month unless something happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, again, I would just thank you guys for sending in all your email questions. I mean, we love to, we love to answer them. We love to see them and it gives us more things to talk about and we kind of go back and forth. So that's always fun. And again, like uh, we'll try to do this Instagram live thing every time we, um, we go on our air for our podcast, just because, you know, we're able to kind of, there's new, more questions that come our way and it's always cool to interact with you guys live too, as well. So, I mean, that's going to wrap it up for us today or for this month. Catch us next month in December. I'm Johnny Maggs. I'm Dan Garcia. And you've listened to another episode of the All Angels Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.